0: This week on The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln Podcast, we're talking about Lincoln in the news.
1: Now! 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 Not five, not four, not two, just three!
2: The Rail Splitter,
0: axe in hand, looking
2: out
1: at a frontier of hope and possibility. In excellent to each other, and party on!
0: Welcome to the Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. My name is Jeremy. With me is Rail Splitter Mary.
1: Hey, everybody.
0: And Rail Splitter Nick. What's up, Internet Universe? So, welcome to, I believe this is episode number 50 of the Rail Splitter, which is kind of hard to wrap my head around. I'm very proud and thankful to have been around for 50 episodes and have thankful to have the crew along with with me here this evening so 50 episodes y'all that's uh something that i'm pretty proud of i'm glad we're glad we made it this far uh, Bitty. big five oh that's right Ooh. yeah um so get real cool. <laughs> <Pretty set.
2: laughs>
0: um really quickly just uh, before we get going if i can make it through this um um I just want to mention, uh, Nick and I work in the same school and we kind of, I had the worst day of my career for something I can't really talk about, um, publicly just because of confidentiality with young people. But I just want to thank Rose Splinter Nation for being supportive of me and just to remind everybody that the malice toward none that we end every show with is not just a cliche and it's not just something we quote, quote Lincoln for. I think it's something that we desperately need in this world. So, um, thank you all for continuing to walk the world with malice toward none and, um, Days like today, I have to turn to that um, for some comfort. So, um, But enough about that. Let's uh, talk about Lincoln in the News. Now, normally we start our shows with a little bit of news about Abraham Lincoln. But today, because this week has been like a crazy news week in the world of Lincoln, if there is such a thing, we're going to dedicate an entire episode to it. So hopefully you're not catching this episode by, you know stockpiling a few episodes to listen to on a road trip or something because uh, it might not be as timely if you're listening to it any later than the middle of May of 2018, uh, May 16th, which I believe, if our Facebook group is telling me the truth, is Seward's birthday. So, Secretary of State Seward, happy birthday. Uh, But we we are going to talk.
2: Seward. 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 There it is.
0: The real split of drinking game um so uh we are going to talk about the recent news events in uh, lincoln but instead of just sharing the news we'll probably give you our take on it a little bit so um sometimes on the show we like to dabble into different genres of podcasting While within the lincoln universe we've done our movie review episode we've done crossover episode into pop culture. We've done history episodes. We did a trivia episode. So today will probably be a little bit of an opinion episode as we talk about um, our take on Lincoln in the news. So um, there's a big news story that's probably going to dominate most of our time here this evening, which is about the uh, Lincoln Museum and their financial situation and what they may have to do to compensate for it. Before we get into that, I just wanted to very quickly go over a new story that I saw from the town I grew up in, just north of Rockford, Illinois. Um, There was a person who was tracing his uh, genealogy, his heritage, and discovered he was the descendant of a Civil War soldier um, who um, they did not have a grave for. They had a gravestone that was issued by the army. Uh, but they did not have anything in it. It was just a headstone. There was no body because they never found it. Um, they tracked the person all the way down to a pauper's grave in Roscoe, Illinois. So there was a an official, or I don't even want to say official. There was a Civil War burial where there was, you know, a 21-gun salute and there were some reenactors there, and they really did made a big deal about um, you know respectfully marking this individual's grave site for uh, someone who was a casualty of the war Uh, he fought at Shiloh Uh, he did not die in the war per se but he did die from injuries sustained in the war he died I think maybe in 1867 something like that but I thought that was kind of a cool story that the Civil War still lives on and somebody traced their union roots um, and realized that there wasn't a a proper burial for this individual and uh, and got his I don't know great 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 grandfather uh, a proper burial I thought that was very very cool um, kind of a neat story, so um, you know as uh, history kind of grows and grows and grows, even though it's been um, obviously the war's been over for quite some time. So I just thought that was kind of an endearing story um, out of my hometown uh, that was that was worth mentioning on the show. Uh, Mary, I know you've kind of done a little bit of research into what's going on in the Lincoln world. Why well, can you kind of fill us in a little bit on some current events in Lincoln in Lincolnia?
1: Well, the first one is probably the one that we'll spend a lot of time talking about tonight, but it is what is coming out of the presidential library museum and that is that there are potentially uh, some items that could be up for auction because the museum has $9.7 million left to pay off on this loan they took out to get what is, I think it's, I'm pronouncing it properly, the, the taper collection which was a huge collection of Lincoln-related and also non-related Lincoln artifacts that the museum acquired a few years ago when they had to take out, I believe it was a $25 million loan for. So the items that could potentially be up for auction are um, a hat that is believed to have belonged to him. Many, I think the museum is of the opinion that it belonged to him, but there's a few people out there that are skeptical about that. Um, but. One thing that definitely belonged to him that they have is the calfskin gloves that he had on the night that he was assassinated that um, have his blood on them, and those could be up for auction as well. So that is the main news story that I've been following along with. One (laughs) dollar. One dollar. We've got a (laughs) bid. We've got a bid in in the auction. I'm
2: getting it rolling.
1: And And it's it's speculated it could go to a private buyer, which is unfortunate
0: it is it is unfortunate um and i've got so many thoughts about this um just the idea of lincoln collecting in general i get it i mean mm-hmm. obviously i would be really thrilled to have a, a lincoln signature or autograph uh but i there's certain things that i think belong to all of us um, humanity certainly americans mm-hmm. uh and a lot of you know i think lincoln's possessions are some of those you know it's uh um it seems like an awful lot of money it seems you know somebody's making a lot of money or there's a lot of money being changed hands um for for things that we just want to show to history enthusiasts and school children um my secret hope or not not secret i'm saying it publicly on a podcast is that someone with many resources does purchase it and then just donates it right back to the museum or just gives the museum the cash either way um
2: I was reading. uh, I guess this collection that got the that they basically have to pay back in what is it like 20 months or whatever. Yeah. Um, There was a lot of non Lincoln artifacts, so I think they're prioritizing those as far as putting up for bid. Like a Marilyn Monroe dress, I know they're putting out there. Um, So they're hoping that, and obviously getting the word out on it, hopefully brings in some money too.
1: Well, there is a GoFundMe that um I did share that to the Real Splitter page and I saw a couple people I think were tweeting about it and sharing it on Facebook as well. So there is that um going for it as well. But I I think the thing that I am having trouble wrapping my head around is just that they're even considering putting them up for auction because especially the calfskin gloves, because that is something that is a symbol of what he died for. Um, and it's a way of telling that that part of the story. And to me, to see those go up for auction and possibly go into a private collection where they'll never be see again, seen again, it's like, I just think of the in- Indiana Jones and it belongs in a museum.
0: <laughs> that's an excellent comparison, because it does, it absolutely does. Yeah, it belongs does. in
1: a museum.
0: I mean, and that's part of the whole idea behind the museum even existing is that these things are there even when they're not out even when they get that copy of the gettysburg address which was not mentioned i don't think is
1: no no they're not they've said i think they've said they're not putting that up for auction at all
0: but but so i mean the gloves um i mean just that just the idea that you're in the same building as those is pretty cool and that and that it belongs to the people you know the museum Mm -hmm. technically belongs to the state of illinois but you know this is an international tourist attraction it's a it's a wonderful place and and part of the magic is the collection
1: yeah
0: um and i'll you know i'll reference our our episode with dr cornelius you should definitely kind of listen to that because he talks specifically about this collection that acquisition was really the kind of the cornerstone of the whole the whole thing um and obviously it was pretty pricey um you know in the millions of dollars but um it just feels like when they're in a financial burden like this um the, the permanency of selling these items is what what really gets to me you know like the short-term goal is you pay off that debt and that's no small thing but once those those items are gone they're gone unless you try to purchase them back for you know i'm assuming more than you paid for them it's it's not a good situation to be in and um when and when you're trying to get an idea of the magnitude of the sale. People are talking about that Marilyn Monroe dress, which I think, I mean, honestly, I'd be fine if they sold it. Mm-hmm. But they're like they're expecting to get around fifty thousand dollars for that. Um, I'd yeah, love to. Have, I would love to have fifty thousand dollars, but if I owed nine million dollars, fifty thousand dollars is not a whole lot of money. Yeah.
1: Um, that's what I was thinking too. It's like it's not going to fetch enough to to get it back um and it's i don't know i was thinking the one thing i was thinking about it too is just lincoln artifacts in general like how do you even put a price on that how do you put a price on the calfskin gloves how do you put a price in the gettysburg address i know it's not up for auction but still how do you put a price on that how do you put a price on that rocker that is at ford's theater mm-hmm. Or anything that, or not, sorry, not Ford's Theater, the Henry Ford Museum. How do you put a price on anything that is at Ford's Theater, anything related to Lincoln, like the hat that is at the Smithsonian? Um, it, to me, they're priceless because they tell a story of one of the most important Americans to ever live.
0: Exactly, yeah. And that's, um, you know, and I understand that there's a market for these things and that, um, there's collectors but it just seems so selfish to, mm-hmm. you know and i know there's and i'm sure there's people listening who probably have that lincoln you know item that uh that they had in their family or whatever and that's those are that's cool i don't i'm not knocking that and even if it's worth a few you know even if it's worth a good chunk of change i'm not saying that that it's selfish of you to keep it but this idea of taking something as iconic as the is this you know his hat one of i think two or three that could possibly even be his mm-hmm. and then just like putting it in your living room or you know on display for your dinner guests like i, I don't know it's just i struggle i struggle to, to accept that um and yeah indiana jones had a right. it right belongs in a museum mm-hmm. um with people and not only does it belong in a museum there's pe- like the museum a big portion of the abraham lincoln museum's budget is employing people whose literally their career their their life's work is preserving these items so they make sure that everything is taken care of that it doesn't deteriorate that it's there forever so not only are you by having it in a museum are you allowing it to be seen by many people you're you're also preserving it for your for future generations because Mm -hmm. there's people who who know the science behind these things who know what you know what levels of humidity and what temperature and you know if, if the power goes out what to do and how to you know create all this stuff they even got like um was it a seismograph is that what measures earthquakes I,
1: it's a higher that's actually um my i have a diploma in museum studies it's actually See, in conservation work trying, so i you're trying to take
0: mary's mary's job
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, well i work in a library right now because being finding a conservation job is hard to come by in Canada um, I very much appreciate what those people do to preserve those those artifacts and as someone who's worked in that field like the artifacts are your passion and for me as a conservator to think of them going to a private home where they may not have like what is required to preserve them for future generations is just it it's it's very it's very unsettling for me.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of times too, you you know, you go to museums and you see things like on loan from the so and so family, mm-hmm. and they just like they're there just forever. Yeah, you know that's that's cool. I'm I'm all for that. And if you know, I stumbled across like some sort of Lincoln autograph or whatever, and somebody said, "Oh, that's worth," I don't know, two thousand dollars. I don't think I'd donate it to the museum. You know, <laughs> like I, I'm not you know, I've got a family, (laughs) you know, it's, I'd have a hard time, I guess, doing this. So, I mean, I can understand it. You know, if you've, if you've come across something that's worth a lot of money, you know, it would be very difficult to give that away. And I would have a Mm -hmm. hard time just saying like, oh yeah, this is something that's worth a lot of money, but you know, it's, you know, I don't think it would be necessarily be selling out. Now, when you're talking about millions of dollars and something that you've purchased for a million and a half and you're going to sell for 1.7 to make a 200,000, you know, whatever. Uh, that's where I don't know if I'm 100% on board with um, in the same way, I guess. Um, I don't know. This this is the anti-capitalist in me, I guess, unless it benefits me. <laughs> um, but one thing too that I, you know, it, looking at just like, currently, the two people running for the two major parties for governor in Illinois are both billionaires. They could purchase this entire collection with the flick of a pen and not mm-hmm. even notice the difference. You know, maybe wow. they could just agree to split the difference. <laughs> maybe we can maybe we can do it that way. So, Bruce Rauner, J.B. Prisker, just pony up four and a half million bucks a piece. The whole Lincoln world would love you. You know, it'd be great. That's what being a billionaire is all about, right?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Nick, what do you think?
2: Uh, how did they get like? I guess how did the financial situation get so bad here? Did you figure that? Did you find that at all, Mary?
1: Um, they took out a loan for twenty five million, and they've been working to pay it back. I believe they acquired the collection in two thousand seven, and there's nine point seven million left to pay, and they don't. The found it's the foundation. Um which per, I think it's like kind of separate from, I'm trying to figure out how it all works. The foundation, the foundation raises funds to support the presidential complex and they have the gift shop and the restaurant. And they were the ones that acquired the Tapper collection. And they're the ones that acquired this $25 million loan with which there's 9.7 million left to pay. Um, But I don't think it's due for another 20 months or something, but they're kind of in, you know, kind of raise the red flag like, hey, if we don't get the funds, then this is what might have to happen uh, kind of thing. So I don't know how they've managed to pay off what they paid off so far and why they can't pay off the rest.
0: Yeah, I think it's I mean, it is noteworthy that that these folks have had great intentions. It's not like they're just Mm -hmm. like, oh, we got to sell this stuff. And and they have raised more than 15 million dollars and private donations so um there's you know when you walk into the museum there's there's like a wall of donor donors and people who have donated a lot corporations who have donated a lot so you know they have raised 15 million dollars for this collection that was ultimately 25 million dollars um, to purchase and they've got 20 months to come up with the rest so um you know it's 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 doable i mean they've already you know they've raised i mean granted it's taken 11 years but they and they've raised you know well over half of it but uh yeah that 9 million is a big number to to come up with um certainly in 20 months um and i think you know you risk selling off in order to make that much money you're gonna have to sell quite a lot of the collection and mm-hmm. um the, the whole the whole agreement from the beginning was to to make it available to the public forever when they purchased it when they took out that 25 million dollar loan so um you know i don't but, know i don't know what they're able to pay yearly if they can like extend that loan or something i'm sure there's some financial people who know more and are smarter than i am so
1: well i know they approached you know the governor and they got no backing and i think that's because it, it it's an election year there right mm-hmm.
2: yeah and illinois is a mess Dude, yeah no, i was no, reading no, about the
1: debt that illinois is in too
2: just an illinoisan Like, we can't let any of the collection go because it'll just be another scar on us and another reason to laugh at us Uh, here in Illinois, besides, you know, how many governors have we had in the slammer. Um, And, you know, um, so I I think it's the perfect time for Illinois, and say this for Illinois, being the bicentennial. I mean, what would be a better way than having this huge grassroots um, campaign out there to kind of, the people save this for the people so personally i'd rather it be a collection of people in illinois with grassroots small donations save it than two millionaires you know coming in saving a day when it's just probably going to be done for pr reasons anyways um by those two or like whoever does it you know um unless it's done uh where you don't know who did it um yeah, I think we should start like doing a fundraise drive, right? Car wash, do a uh, Lincoln car wash this <laughs> well, weekend.
0: Well, there's the very, very <laughs> famous story of the the path that the Gettysburg Address took to get to Illinois. Great um, story. And there was the, the Edward, Edward Everett copy is the one that is housed in the Lincoln Museum, and it was up for sale. Very similarly to this, these items, if they go up for auction, and there was a big statewide school children donating coins fundraiser and school kids across the across the state donated their change quarters nickels dimes at a time and raised quite a lot of money now the other half of that story is that marshall field uh who was a very obviously prominent chicago business person uh donated a big chunk (laughs) basically donated what was left um which i think is a nice you know happy medium it really shouldn't you know, it shouldn't necessarily fall on people who can't afford to give up change, giving up their change. But at the same time, you know, the whole state kind of took ownership of the of the situation. And you've got kids in schools all across the state donating coins. And then he kind of, you know, wasn't a, I don't think it was a huge PR thing, kind of came in and, and foot, footed the bill for the rest. And that's still the copy that's there. It's, and it's the copy that comes out every now and then in Lincoln's own hand. So, um, yeah, I think if we did, you know, if there was a, some sort of fundraiser type movement or if it was schools, you know, trying to donate, um, that I'd be fine if somebody kind of took a big big bulk of the, of the payments. As far as the museum itself, I mean, I think it's fairly self-sustaining. They, they did remove it. Uh, it was originally kind of included in state parks and state um, entities that when the state doesn't have a budget would have closed down which in Illinois happens often, um, but they separated it from that because it is a lot more self-sustaining. Because you do have to pay admission to get in. Uh, membership, you can pay an annual membership. I'm a member, um, and I, I pay $70 a year, and I can get in four people. So it's a pretty good deal. Um, and it, the reason it's 70 for me is because I live, if you live more than I think 100 miles from Springfield, you get a cheaper, you get like, you get like the next level up for the, price so like i'm at the national associate level whatever that means that just basically means i can bring in four guests um they they also did by the way just come out with a teacher discount which they didn't have before um, which is pretty cool so um but yeah i mean it's it's very well attended and there's always Mm -hmm. people going through there i think you know we talked to kevin burke who was a volunteer there a lot of their staff is volunteers um you know, they do, a, they do a nice job. And, you know, we've talked to Dr. McWherter McWhorter, who's uh, a historian on staff, you know, they've Dr. Cornelius, obviously, like it's, it's a very good organization and I think it's funded well enough. $9 million on the other hand is just too much to, to try to mm-hmm. come up with.
1: Yeah. And it's the foundation that's trying to raise that money. And there was a really good article um, that I shared with you guys today in our chat from the Chicago Tribune written by Carla I'm going to butcher her last name, Kornowski. She's a chief executive officer of the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Presidential Library Foundation in Springfield. And she said, if a single Lincoln artifact goes to auction taken from the public realm, then we as a nation are collectively diminished and must look ourselves in the mirror and take responsibility. It is not anyone's individual or group's responsibility to bear it. It is all of ours to bear. And I think that's what we've been talking about. Like it's, you know, it would be a shame to see these artifacts go into a private home, not be there for the public to see and tell his story.
0: Yeah, and I give her I give her tons of credit for wording it that way. Because mm-hmm. that was uh, pretty harshly worded, and it, it should have been, um, saying not like this is something we hope to avoid, we're trying not to have to do this. She's saying if we have to do this, it's on all of us. And I really I applaud her for wording yeah, it that I way.
1: Didn't, I thought that was such when I read it, I was like, Wow, she is she's saying it very, I think, diplomatically, but she's hitting people with like this is what we're facing. Like, it's not just a pair of gloves. The pair of gloves has a huge significance.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um Especially the clubs. It's such a cool artifact. I've seen it a couple times there. I know, there. yeah.
1: It, it just it it's uh, to me it's up there with. I I mean I've never seen them before, but to me it would be up there with seeing the chair at the Henry Ford. Like that was, you know, it was the first Lincoln artifact I ever saw when I was seven, and to me it is still one of the most powerful artifacts out there associated with the assassination because that is the chair he was sitting in when history changed. To see something like that go and never be seen again is like, I, you know, it's very unsettling.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it literally has his blood on it, which is just crazy that you're that yeah. close to his DNA and, uh, so, and just the story behind it. And they usually have like an assassination, like related set of, uh, exhibits, um, when they, when they display that. So it's, it's pretty cool. Any other thoughts on the museum situation?
2: I got faith. I think uh, I think it'll get resolved.
1: I think I mean, it will, too.
2: What if each one of our listeners gave a dollar? That was about cover, right? We had $9 million yet?
0: <laughs> just, about, just about. Yeah,
1: we'd be almost there.
0: Um, there is a possibility that this is, well, I guess it's, I think it's definitely at least moderately a pump fake. Uh, the degree to which they're kind of you know, bluffing, it's hard to hard to ascertain. I don't think they're really bluffing all that much. I do think that it's a very distinct possibility that they're going to have to auction some of these items. Um, whether it's a good chance or a slim chance, I don't know. Um, I'm hopeful, and it doesn't bother me at all. If it is a slim chance, but they think this might light, light a fire under some folks to donate some money, I think that'd be fine. But well,
2: and uh, there's I a possibility money.
1: that
0: they, they're going to do it.
2: That Marilyn Monroe stuff I think has already been shipped out to an auction house. Yeah, so it's go that, it's up that, for
1: auction June twenty third in Las Vegas. So
2: I, think. I definitely think there is a, a plan with the announcement here, as there should be. And I, I do think you're right. Um it is the bicentennial, so I think they could maybe tap into that too, play that angle. So um also being that it is an election, you know, coming up here soon in Illinois too, that is another you know why not use that for some leverage and hope you know maybe you can play that angle as well and get some uh, you know maybe a big donor like you said I mean you came up with the solution right get get the two guys to split it
0: now I in know. the middle mm-hmm.
1: we'll
2: mediate I'll transfer the check over I just want to hold a big giant check and hand it. To them. <laughs>
1: i think given the museum's reputation um as in the foundation that is the, the one that took out the loan i think given their reputation um being what they are in the world of lincoln in the world of history and presidential libraries i don't think this would be like a kind of a bluffing i think it's they're kind of raising the red flag like this this is a potential to happen like we need to preserve our history you know it's not like it's coming out it's not coming out six months or four months before it happens it's i think 19 or 20 months before they need to have the loan repaid so i think they're giving themselves the time to hope that they can raise the funds
0: right and i hope they do you know and obviously you don't want to get in like a competing charities conversation because there's obviously many charities who probably deserve nine million dollars more than the lincoln foundation Mm -hmm. however um you know man it would be great if uh you know we could 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 really keep these things for what they're intended to be, which is something that belongs to the state of Illinois and the people of uh, of Illinois and the United States and the world, uh, so that future generations can can learn from them and look at them and you know collections like that need to stay together too. That's the other thing. As soon yeah. as you start spreading it out across across the country and across the world, you know who knows where they'll end up and and whether they'll ever come back and how many times they're going to be sold again and how they're going to be treated and. You know, it's just—it's just kind of nerve-wracking to think about.
2: Well, it just loses
0: the impact once you start
2: separating it, and then mm-hmm. you know, especially yeah. in this day and age, when there's so much false narrative about our history, it's important that we do preserve it and it doesn't get lost into private collections to be stored away and forgotten <laughs> about. So, yeah, I agree. We need to get it done, Rail Splitter Nation. Let's do it. Somebody That's come it. up with a good idea, and I'll back you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's your call to action, everybody so
2: that's how this podcast started somebody came up with a good idea i backed him and now here we are at number 50
0: that's right (laughs) yeah the 50th episode i think we might be on 49 i'm pretty sure it's 50 it is 50 right
2: it is is fifty. fifty. it's
0: okay very very cool and we're proud of that um i know it was right around the end of the school year because nick and i were at a celebration to end the school year when we came up with the idea so it's just about a year old yeah, uh, I think it,
1: I think it is fifty because I think you guys had your first episode come out before I went to Washington, and I was in Washington the first week of June last year. So I think we're at
2: fifty. Well, I was hoping you were going to say some great Canadian holiday. Like it came out right before Canada Day. So I before what, it probably it came
1: night. out around May twenty fourth weekend, which is this weekend, and it f- kind of fluctuates every oh. year. It's for Queen Victoria's birthday.
0: Our first episode dropped on June 8th, 2017. So, and our uh, 50th one, this is our 50th one, May 17th. So, thank you again, everybody, for keeping the train going. Uh, One other just kind of indirectly related current event um, that I was thinking about, Lincoln. Um, There's a scene in the movie, and it was pretty well documented, that Lincoln's um, post-presidential goals. One thing that he really wanted to accomplish or do, uh, after he was done with his term in office as president was to visit, uh, the Holy land as he described it and wanted to, uh, travel with Mary Lincoln to, um, what I, you know, what is now current day Israel Palestine. Um, so it's, you know, I was thinking about that a lot, you know, just where that region, what that visit would have been like in 18, you know, 68, 1869. Um, I guess it'd be 1869, like what, you know, what would that have been like and, and where we've come globally, uh, you know, as far as history goes and, and steps we may be taking backward. Um, who knows what we're taking, but the, just the violence and the unrest that's there and that the United States is kind of causing. Um, I just was thinking about Lincoln a little bit, like what would, you know, what would have been different if, you know, there was some, some Lincolnites on running things and we don't know a whole lot about Lincoln's diplomacy. Um, you know, it was more his diplomacy was out of necessity. I think to keep the war going and to keep business ties with mainly with the UK, but with Europe going and trying to stave off any sort of war with Mexico. And you know, but nothing major. He he never really had a major foreign policy. Politicians really didn't need that um, really until until kind of globalization kind of hit. You know, in the early 20th century I suppose but um, to think about how Lincoln may have handled situations like that and to think that that was an area of the world that he really admired and wanted to go see and um, kind of be a tourist in uh, and now where you know we we're, we're seeing a spike at the very, you know to put it lightly and unrest in the region. I just was thinking about Lincoln in that regard. So any other news stories that you guys came across this week? Uh,
2: so I was researching, you know, doing some stuff. I figured, yeah, you guys will have all the Lincoln stuff covered. So I decided to look up my arch nemesis, Fillmore. <laughs> and then I came across, actually, the first article I came across kind of relates to Lincoln a little bit. Um, I guess they're going to have, like, bicentennial coins. And the newspapers talk about how, you know, uh, Illinois has been home to four presidents, Lincoln, Grant, Reagan, and Obama. Mm-hmm. And they were arguing that they should have a coin for each of those. And uh, because all of them have reached the top rank of historic significance. And then it goes on to say there is no Miller, Fillmore, in the bunch. So <laughs> I found that good. That made me laugh. But then I was looking up another article. that was talking about George W. Bush. Um, and the articles kind of talk about how we're kind of reevaluating George W. Bush with Trump in the White House, and and it goes for the fat for the past few years, Bush has routinely appeared on snarky lists of America's worst presidents, joining James Buchanan, Warren Harding, Millard Fillmore, Grant, and Nixon.
1: Oh, <laughs> <Aw>, poor Grant.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I felt kind of bad about that.
0: I don't know. That's like the trendy thing to do now for uh, historians is to 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 challenge that idea of grant being uh, being poor a poor president I think there's a lot of people pushing back on that
1: after um, reading white's bio of him I have to say like my opinion of him as president has changed he inherited an administration that was very messed up um, and I think that's why it's being reevaluated I I think grant he made mistakes uh, and one of the one of his issues was that he was Way too trusting of people, and there was a lot of corruption because of that. But I think uh, his heart was in the right place for it, and I There's don't no- think he was as bad as what he's made out to be. He's not a Fillmore, I'll put it to you that way.
2: <laughs> My favorite quote, though, I found another article, it's like an editorial, but there was this line in there Trump won in 2016, the first clearly unqualified president in American history, easily replacing Miller Fillmore among the Ninka Poops. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I thought that was pretty awesome. That's good. So, Miller Fillmore is basically known across America as a jackass, as he should be. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was. Oh, I also did see another Lincoln thing. I think they're trying to get a Lincoln portrait in all the county courthouses. Yes, I right came now, across so, that one too, which is kind of a cool idea.
0: So. Um, the you other know, one. Do we have one in ours? I don't, I don't know. know. Do. I've been in traffic court a couple of times, jury duty once. <laughs> don't recall there being one. We do have a really, really good uh, Lincoln bust right outside our courthouse.
1: That's cool. Um, yeah, we do. From
0: the lawyer days, um, harkening back to Lincoln's time in Rockford, Illinois, as part of the Reaper trial. So that's cool. I'll, I'll be there not this weekend but next weekend. I mean, obviously I live in the city, but I will be at an event right there. So I'll take a picture of it and put it on the Instagram. Um,
1: the other article that I found, um, it was called historic Lincoln desk finds its way back home. And it's apparently a wooden desk believed to have been made by Thomas Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's father, who he was a carpenter. Um, so it's believed to have been, so they don't know for sure. But anyway, it has a new home at the Lincoln boyhood national memorial in Lincoln city. Um, And it's on display there now. So I thought that was kind of a cool article. Um, I think some of the furniture that is believed to have been made by Thomas Lincoln may also be on display at um, Greenfield Village, which is part of the Henry Ford Museum. There's something Lincoln related in the Greenfield Village anyway, and I think it might have been some furniture that Thomas Lincoln made.
2: Thomas Lincoln, um, according to my ladies down at the Lincoln Cabin, um, and Charleston was a hell of a uh, furniture maker. So mm-hmm. something that gets overlooked with Thomas a lot. Which
1: yeah, kind well, of- the, the desk is actually very, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. It's very nice looking.
2: I need it for my office.
1: Actually, I do too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the, no, the the second uh, fundraiser. They're not, they're not to auctioned it off, Nick. It's got a new home.
2: I would use it for a little bit, then I would give it to the Lincoln Museum.
0: There you go. So, any other uh, current events with Lincoln for our Lincoln in the News show?
2: Not that I can think. Oh, how's our Lincoln soccer team doing? Is that season over?
0: Oh, yeah, I think it is, actually. Let me look at that. The, The Lincoln, the Imps, the Lincoln Town for Lincoln FC. Uh, I'm glad you bring that up because I, I never get any traction with it on social media, but I still think it's fun to check it out. So We should get uh, custom-made uh, jerseys. Yeah.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> so, uh, they actually play tomorrow uh, in the semi-finals finals, to see who's going to win League 2. Uh, so, because they were in the... I'm guessing because they're in the top eight. They can play, and if they win th- that tournament, uh, they will go to League One, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so they play Exeter City tomorrow at 1:45 Central Time. Watch they, party!
2: Watch party!
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're even covered on television, uh, but they tied nil-nil in the first leg because they play home and away uh so they tied nil-nil and uh, on saturday and then they play tomorrow at st james park so let's go lincoln city go imps uh, Our favorite me? player sheldon whitehouse
2: on espn ocho on the ocho <laughs> um,
1: um so guys do we want to do an update on on books we've been reading at all have you guys been yes. reading anything lately
0: I have not Why don't you go ahead, Mary?
1: Um, okay, so because one of my jobs where I work at a library now, I spend a lot of time shelving books. And when we're doing our work, because we don't work in the public realm, we're able to listen to podcasts or whatever. So I've been listening to audiobooks. So I listened to The Wright Brothers by David McCullough, and he narrates it. And, wow, that was – I would recommend that to any of the rail splitters – it was like audiobook or just reading it like i had no idea all those like all that they did in their life it was pretty amazing read or listen i guess you could say um and i've recently yesterday i started listening to blaze of glory by um it's jeff Shira. um and it's very good Uh-oh. too And it's about the battle of Shiloh.
2: Yeah, I read that. That's good. Yeah,
1: wow. Um, It's very good. And what I'm reading, like, physically, is a book called Through the Heart of uh, Dixie by, if I get her name right, Sarah Ann Rubin. Um, And it is about kind of looking at sherman's march and comparing it with american like with memory so what pete like kind of how the memory of the march is so kind of the myths that came out about it and all that and it is very interesting and uh someone who i study sherman almost as much as i study lincoln it's for me it's been a great read it's going to be a great resource for me um she's a very good writer um and i'm really enjoying it and i've actually learned quite a bit about it while reading it
0: yeah i'll uh second your recommendation for the wright brothers i read that uh, right after it came out i'm a big david mccullough fan uh, i've read 1776 uh, truman which is one of my favorite biographies um, of his or of any of biographies in general and i read his truman uh, and then the wright brothers i agree it's um it's it's a lot more than just two guys figuring out how to how to fly a plane Uh, it's not only about the Wright brothers he also talks about the kind of the race to flight which I thought was really cool um brings up a lot of people who are really close um and it really talks about how daring uh, much of their work was Mm. um and how like it's just kind of a neat story about the American idea you know ideal I guess about you know there's all kinds of these experts in aviation and um kind of going with very traditional uh ideas very similar ideas on how to how to achieve flight and the Wright brothers took a whole different path and used their mechanical knowledge from owning a bicycle shop and what they've saw from birds and, um, put some smarts to it and, and, and a lot of audacity. So very well written book, um, certainly by McCullough and he can narrate the phone book as far as I'm concerned.
1: Oh, that's what I thought too. When he started narrating it, I'm going to like, I'm going to enjoy this so much.
0: <laughs> yep. So that's, um, gra- excellent. Real quick. I did misspeak. Uh, Sheldon Whitehouse does not play for Lincoln Lincoln City FC. He's a United States Senator. Elliot Whitehouse does play for Lincoln City, and he is our favorite player, even though I don't know his first name. Uh, <laughs> the book I'm reading that um, I, I would recommend, it's its pretty good. It's called, uh, let me make sure I get the, the title correct. It's called uh, Beneath a Ruthless Sun, a story of violence, race, and justice lost and found. Um, it's about a, um, a wrongful conviction for rape in Florida in the 1940s and 50s, right around the early 50s. Um, the reason I'm reading it is because it's written by Gilbert King, who wrote one of my favorite all-time books called Devil in the Grove, which I highly, highly recommend. Um, it won the Pulitzer Prize, I don't know, maybe two or three years ago. Devil in the Grove is about um, another case of um, of a rape conviction and the story around it. Um, the people who were convicted for the rape, there were black men in the South, um, very unjustly convicted and sentenced to death. Um, and we're represented by Thurgood Marshall. Very, very, very fascinating book about Thurgood Marshall's early career as a lawyer for the NAACP. Um, and then Beneath the Ruthless sun, is another similar book. Uh, Thurgood Marshall is not in this one, but it's um, so far it's been a pretty good story about civil rights in the south uh, from a perspective that uh, we don't really see a lot of in history books um real story about just the momentous um obstacles to justice that existed um and in some ways still exist um in the south in the the jim crow era so that's what i'm reading and i'm still working through um liar temptress soldier spy Mm -hmm. um Kind of bits and pieces here and there. That's also very good by Karen Abbott. I would recommend that highly as well. I'm just uh, kind of been kind of going through that a little bit more leisurely as I have time to read some Civil War stuff. So, uh, Nick, are you reading anything other than student assessments this time of year?
2: <laughs> yeah, I just had research papers handed in, so I will be reading a lot of that uh, here in the next couple of days. But uh, the Star Wars Aftermath trilogy. So I'm on mm-hmm. a second book.
0: So so, I read the first one. I kind of gave it up after that
2: yeah yeah it was was all right i mean i'm not gonna shit all over it (laughs) i thought there were some nice characters introduced it definitely was a little bit different than some other star wars stuff um so i've got to stick with my i'm trying to read all the canon so gotta muscle through so
0: hopefully the second
2: one's better just start the second one i'm about a chapter in so
0: cool Uh, I would like to mention over this past weekend, uh, I was lucky enough to attend Nick's gala for his veterans project that he runs with his partner in crime, uh, Kira. Uh, A very, very, very worthwhile and moving experience to see the work of uh, the students. And uh, we had our own Civil War fangirl there in spirit because one of the veterans was talking about his experience in Vietnam and quoted General Sherman and then named general Sherman as the author of that quote and said that he was right. And then talked about the March to the sea. Um, so in one of the documentaries produced, uh, by Nick's students at Harlem high school, um, about Vietnam, uh, very, very aptly and, um, like perfectly quoted that war is hell line. I thought that was super cool. So, um, I was kind of chilling in the back kind of watching the, watching the whole thing kind of, kind of happen. And I was like, Oh, cool. Um, uh, little rail splitter nation representing yeah. uh, in multiple ways there. So, but Nick, the uh, excellent job once used. again. It was a very, very well done uh, evening and another great year for the project.
2: And the B roll footage that was used was Mary dressed up as General Sherman <laughs> marching <laughs> to the sea. So, singing um, her a
0: war song.
2: Yeah. I'll try to post that uh, that that footage online yeah. if, if
0: Mary allows me. So
2: yeah, go yeah I mean, ahead. speaking
0: of speaking of people who would like to narrate the phone book that particular veteran was like i mean granted i didn't you know nick knows a lot better he's been working with him for a couple of years but man i could tell a story i could just i've seen him in your feature-long uh, film and then at the gala and is just one of those people who uh the way he tells a the story there's just such a wide range of emotions and you know you just hang on every word and you don't need anything other than just to, just him on screen talking it it was really really well done so um i was able to thank him for his service and and he really was a was a great subject for a documentary so hopefully you can get that clip out because it's it's worth checking out for sure
2: yep yeah i could actually get that out there is the survey no there is no b-roll footage of mary reenacting
0: oh really you made that up yeah
2: in in that video but i believe that there is somewhere b-roll footage of mary doing that if there
1: isn't there will be someday (laughs)
0: There will be. So, all right, well, we were disorganized once again and didn't chat beforehand about This Week in Lincoln. So, Rail Splitter team,
1: anybody got a This Week
0: in Lincoln they want to bring up? Um,
1: did you guys get that photo I sent you of that crazy tea towel?
0: Yes, that's I, as soon as I got it, I'm like, oh, we got our This Week in Lincoln. All right, you got it. Go, take it away.
1: I now cannot just, I need to look up the picture of it again, but um, I found it at Walmart of all places. And it was actually tweeted. uh, I think you guys were included in the tweet too, uh, from one of our followers. I can't remember what her name is. Dr. Ben. I can't remember now, but anyway, it's a tea towel. You can get it at Walmart and it says party like a Patriot and it has Abraham Lincoln on it. And he's wearing these sunglasses that are blue and have white stars on them.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. Um, yeah. I don't know what partying like a patriot means. Uh, Abraham Lincoln wasn't a big drinking drinker. wasn't a big drinker. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. If I party like a patriot, does that mean I like dump tea out and then drink booze? Because you know, tea. jumping the tea. Yeah. Patriot. Never mind. <laughs> um, no, this is very cool. The sunglasses with the uh, white stars on a blue background. Very, very good touch um i have been wearing my lapel pin that i've uh, put on instagram of lincoln wearing sunglasses which i don't think was really popular with lincoln presenters but everybody else seems to think that it's pretty cool so i've appreciated compliments from that as well and this kind of has a similar similar sentiment to it
2: hey i was just looking at my phone for no good reason uh doing research you know for the show the show (laughs) um there is a GoFundMe page, and they have currently one thousand seven hundred ninety-five dollars mm-hmm. of that nine point seven. So we should put a link out because I think you got the email too, because you remember as you stated earlier, of uh, the different places for listeners to donate.
1: I think artifacts. I sh- I think I shared the GoFundMe to the real Splitter page. Awesome. I, hope, I hope I did. And yeah, yeah, so I feel if like- you
0: have somewhere between nine point three nine million dollars. Um, and none. Donate somewhere in between that range, and uh, m- maybe future generations will thank you for preserving Lincoln's legacy forever.
2: And uh, that was, uh, it's only been up for two days. So, and, you know, a GoFundMe is a grassroots type thing. So that's solid for two days.
0: I think so too. And who knows? Maybe there's somebody uh, out there that'll donate the rest of it, JB Pritzker. Just saying. Um, anyway, so, so any other parting thoughts before we leave everyone for one week?
2: Baby, we're 50 years old.
0: We're 50. So 50. once again, 50. that's right. Uh, so once again, thank everyone for listening and for getting us to episode 50. Uh, we've enjoyed the ride and we're happy to continue on this train and bring you more episodes. So continue to walk the world with Malice Toward None and with Charity for All, and we will see you next week.